This is the All Sports Podcast devoted to your favorite teams in North Texas. Welcome to Ballsy, a production of the Dallas Morning News and Sports Day. Our weekly show is proudly hosted. Okay, strike that. Our show is hosted by Kevin Sherrington, Evan Grant, and myself. I'm David Moore, and who knows, maybe we'll have a special guest or two along the way. In this episode, we'll be talking about the Texas Rangers. Catch other episodes by subscribing to the Ballsy Podcast on iTunes. We're also on social media. Just search Ballsy Podcast on Facebook and Twitter, and you'll be notified of the latest episode. Don't forget, it's Ballsy with a Z. Are you ready, sports fans? Ballsy starts now. Hello, everybody. Welcome into Ballsy, the Sports Day DFW Dallas Morning News Sports Podcast. I am Kevin Sherrington, joined by Evan Grant. Hello, Evan. Good morning, Kevin, and how are you? <laughs> I'm not nearly as perky as you are. You have really you are got your puppy uppers today, don't you? Well, Kevin, you told me to get my head out of my butt the other day, so I'm... Uh... <laughs> I did not say that. I'm trying to fake it with the best of them. Oh, so you've been to summer camp. I have. Um, yeah. I, uh, as I said to you earlier, I earned a popsicle the other day. Um, uh, it's, uh, uh, listen, it's, uh, it's just weird. Everything is weird. I, there's no other way to describe it. I, I, I think the best thing was, um, the first day of camp, I asked Chris Woodward, so, so what was the actual weirdest thing about this whole process today? And he said, listen, I expect weird at this point in time. I mean, everything is, is, is weird out here. And, and so on the, baseball, on the baseball diamond, when they're actually getting to do some work, that is almost normal. But then you look around and, and guys are wearing masks when they're, when they're not on the field or not in the batting cage, which is, is good to see. Um, you're getting daily updates on who has coronavirus and who doesn't. Uh, and the latest is that, that Joey Gallo has the, the virus and has tested positive and is about nine days into the protocol. Um, the good news is he's, he's symptom-free. Um, more concerning was that Brett Martin had tested positive. And uh, as a type 1 diabetic, he's obviously more at risk for some complications. But uh, when I talked to him last Friday, he said that by the end of the week, he, he was feeling good. I, 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 you just look around the game, and uh, we've said this for three months now, that any sport that they try and get going this year faces so many obstacles, and there's so many um, potential things that can go wrong. Uh, and we're seeing some of those, those play out, and so far – everybody's kind of just marching on and that's uh we'll see where we get to in another two weeks so let me just get a uh, go over the visual here that you have at summer camp uh because uh because fans are not getting to see this except for what they see on twitter feeds and the, and the like you're in the new press box which is approximately three miles above the uh playing surface of, of globe life field is that correct it technically is a um it, it's technically a satellite <laughs> it, look the, the new press box is is high up and and that's just the way press boxes are going um 
from there with the naked eye, it is a little bit difficult since guys aren't always wearing uniforms or, or, or numbered tops. So it's, it's sometimes difficult to pick them out. But uh, the Rangers have got a camera feed from center field so that you're able to see who's in the batter's box. And, and, and the other part is that pretty quickly upon the time that the, the, the media is allowed into the ballpark, because they've got two different groups going, um, one group early in the morning, then another group kind of late morning, and then that bleeds over into a, a, an intra-squad game. But um, you're able to kind of watch a little bit of, of, of baseball take place, and that part of it feels almost almost normal, even though it's it's the tedium of an intra-squad game. And it's when we don't have, like, real stats and don't have different uniforms, it makes it so difficult to, like, uh, kind of get into the whole process, I guess. Yeah, so so give people an idea of of what this is, this is like. You're you're not actually talking to anyone in person, right? No. Um, the, uh, the the MLB protocols for media are that uh, all interviews are done via Zoom, um, and so you. Uh, I, I just literally got off a of Zoom with uh, Willie Calhoun. The Rangers have been making uh, a player available in the mornings. Um, when there is news, General Manager John Daniels hops on around noon or 12.30 to, to give us some further information, if there is anything to share, and then post the, uh, the intra-squad game, usually the, pitch, the starting pitcher of note that day, and then Chris Woodward wraps up the day. So those are kind of the uh, group media sessions. There's no access to the clubhouse, no access to the field. Um, if you want to talk to anybody one-on-one, your best bet is to hopefully have a contact number for them and to reach out to them privately. Uh, as far as um, the, the day goes, it's, uh, it's a, a basic workout in the morning, some smaller group uh, drills, and then around one o'clock, depending on the day and the pitcher who needs work or the pitchers who need work, the, uh, the intra-squad or simulated game may, may be anywhere from four to seven innings and I think in the last week of camp as they prepare for the two exhibitions with Colorado uh, they'll play up to up to nine innings at that point. So we have seen a small but growing number of uh, MLB players who have decided to opt out for this season. We have not seen any from the Rangers. Would you expect that there could be any possibilities that a Ranger might decide to do that? Mm. I, you know, the last time I checked on this in mass um, was told that there were there were no guys who were really considering opting out. I think early on, uh, Shinsu Chu had some concerns about uh, the protocols. I think he certainly has felt a little bit more comfortable, um, at least enough to get on the field uh, these first few workouts. Um, I, Brett Martin, I thought, might have some second thoughts after he tested positive. But um, in our very brief conversation, and we spoke, we spoke on text the, uh, the other day, he said he was just looking forward to getting back on the field. Um, Kyle Gibson, who also has underlying conditions with ulcerative colitis, uh, spoke with the media yesterday, and he said he's, he's been in regular contact with his gastroenterologist, and there have been uh, – no indications for him to step away, uh, but a, a guy like him, he will continue to reassess that situation. So um, I, I think that 
as we see this going forward, and if if the spike continues, if um, if we're seeing guys have some some negative uh, negative results um, from 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 how the virus affects them, uh, I think you may have more guys step away. But and, and you also may have more guys get into this and say, "Look, I, I I understood all the protocols. I understood everything, but doing this, it just is. It's too much. It makes me uncomfortable to be around." Um, and makes me makes me uncomfortable for my safety. I think you've heard some of that from some of the Washington Nationals um, in the past couple of days, as they've had some issues with with testing. Uh, but on the Rangers, I have not heard from anybody who is seriously considering stepping away at this point. All right. Now I know the schedule was released uh, Monday night, and we, we I want us to talk about that. But before we get away from this whole idea of opting out. I wanted to bring up the possibility of someone, uh, obviously the preeminent player in baseball, Mike Trout, who whose wife is pregnant and uh, who has expressed some concerns about what uh, they will do going forward, uh, and, and rightfully so. Uh, now, I want to ask you this. If the best player in baseball decides to opt out, could you envision a domino theory happening at that point? I think it certainly has to be considered. Um, I, you know, obviously with Mike waiting for his, his first child and, and having some concerns, and certainly none of those were, were put to rest on Sunday when the, the group that was supposed to conduct the Angels tests didn't show up at the ballpark to conduct the tests. Um, uh, if he steps away, could I see more guys step away? Um, yeah, I could. I, I think the other possibility is you could see guys two or three weeks into the season, their team gets off to a poor start. Um, they're in their mid thirties. Uh, I, I could see them saying, listen, this is, it's just not right for me. This is an opportunity for some younger guys to get playing time. I'm going to do, I, I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to leave this to them for now. Yeah, I, I could too. That, that sounds like something that very well could happen. I think that's the, the, the logical next thing that could happen. And then I could certainly see the season not finishing at all. As, as we've seen, there's all kinds of possibilities here uh, in, in all sports, uh, but especially in, in uh, and, and, and I think that's the thing to me, I was on a radio show this morning, WBAP. And I, and I talked about the fact that, you know, they were asking me about football in a column I'd written over the weekend about, about uh, flip-flopping uh, spring and, and fall sports. Uh, and, and I said, you know, here it is. Baseball is having enough problems trying to get everything going here. And that's a sport where you can socially distance. You know, what are you going to do in football, which is exactly the opposite of that. So uh, I, I think there are a lot of, uh, of, of problems out down the road here. I admire these sports for trying to, to see if they can get something going. I think that's the right thing to do. But I think it's also the right thing to do to be ready at any moment to say, we can't do this. Uh, this is not safe, and it's just, this is not a good idea. Completely agreed. And, I mean, the one, you know, you end up with a situation, uh, take the Atlanta Braves situation, for, for example. You know, you talk about a domino effect. Freddie Freeman tested positive. Um, he's their biggest star. Uh, within two days, you had Nick Markakis saying he was going to opt out for the season. Uh, and certainly he indicated that when he talked to Freddie, Freddie didn't sound great. And that had an impact on his thought process. Uh, and if you do have a player, God forbid, if you do have a player, if Freddie Freeman were to develop significant symptoms and end up hospitalized, and God forbid 
in a ventilator situation or really struggling uh, because and, and that ends up and ends up happening because baseball went back to work that's going to be a really difficult thing to continue the season on and um, uh, I think that's that's certainly got to be considered well so, and then you had the, the Chicago Cubs pitching coach who came down with it and apparently had was his, my understanding he was not hospitalized, but he was in quarantine at his home and was apparently miserable uh, and is still suffering the after effects of all of that and was very concerned about it. The 38 year old guy is, as far as I understood, with no underlying conditions. Um, so you, you, you know, there's bound with the numbers involved here, there's bound to be some very serious cases that are going to come up. Uh, you know, I know everybody wants to say that I, I've seen a number where, where someone tweeted back to me about the, column I did the other day said that that high school kids are a hundred percent you know uh you know basically uh free from concern here it's like there is no hundred percent there, there's no such thing as that so uh there, there are going to be cases and, and it's going to be you know it's going to be difficult if it's certainly if it's on people's consciences as well listen I'm just I'm, I'll, I'll just finish it with this okay and I've, I've heard from the same people I heard from somebody over and over again over the past five days wanting to debate with me about about COVID and the seriousness of it and uh, told me, sent me a graph today that showed the declining death rate. And this is not about just life and death. This is about people who have, who, who end up in hospitals for a long period of times and who, as you, you noted, as, as, uh, Mike Hado, as Tommy Hadovay said, he's still dealing with the after effects. This lingers. This has an impact on your quality of life, long-term, potentially lifelong. Uh, and, and so it, it's, I'm going to listen to what scientists say. I'm going to listen to what the medical advisors for Major League Baseball say. And I'm, that's going to be my guiding light. And um, I would hope that in all of these cases, whether it's Major League Baseball or the UIL, that we're putting people's health first and not the sport. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So, uh, so let's forget about all that medical stuff. And now let's go straight to the, uh, the schedule, which as you broke down, uh, the Rangers of course got screwed on all of that, uh, traveling more air miles than anybody else in baseball. Uh, the Astros are second. Um, they, they do get to play a little bit of an easier schedule early on, but it gets, it toughens up a lot late. Um, so, and the, the biggest thing about the Ranger schedule is that it won't include any fans, at least for now, after we had been told there was a possibility because of, uh, what governor Abbott was allowing initially, there could have been 25% capacity, 50% capacity. And of course, as we know, the governor has now rolled all that back. So baseball is moving forward with the notion that there will be no fans at games, uh, at least for a while. Yeah, it was a really um, unsettled situation because I think that I think as far as the edicts go, I think or, or the regulations go, I think technically in Texas fans are still allowed at up to fifty percent at games. Um, Major League Baseball has kind of stepped in and said we want to see how this how this plays out before we before we're comfortable with it. And uh, so what they will do is they'll reevaluate in August and. Quite frankly, I think with the, the way cases have been spiking in Texas, Florida, and, and Arizona, um, it only made sense to, to take a little bit of a step back and make sure you can operate the games with nobody there before you do operate the games with anybody there. Um, uh, as far as the schedule goes for the Rangers, um, uh, 
you know, I think the big, the biggest, the, re, the reason the Rangers end up with the most air mileage in, in baseball is because to do this schedule, you had to do only three and four game, two, three and four game series. And so when you're playing 10 games against a division opponent, you couldn't do just five games at home and five games on the road. You had to set up a three and a four. And because of that, it also led to uneven numbers of home and road games. So what the Rangers end up doing is making two trips to Seattle. Because they make those two trips to Seattle, they end up with the most air mileage as opposed to Seattle, who usually has the most air mileage. Um, uh, that stood out for me. The other thing that stood out for me is that uh, the Rangers do get a break on, on some West Coast games because this is a TV-centric season, and uh, no games will start at 9 o'clock uh, Central time. Those games will start at 8 o'clock. But the trade-off was the Rangers had to move some home games back an hour when they're playing those West Coast teams. And as a result, they end up with more home games at 8 o'clock than they do road games at 8 o'clock. So they're playing 13 home games right now at 8 or later and 10 road games at 8 or later. That's bogus, man. Yeah, I mean, I, the, I think when, when you looked at this, this season and you saw immediately that things were going to be played completely inside the quote-unquote geographical divisions and corresponding geographical divisions, you knew the Rangers and Astros were going to get the short end of the stick. No two teams are more removed from the rest of their division than those two. Um, I think everybody's just fine with the Astros getting the short end of the stick. Um, the Rangers just kind of end up in the, the same boat right now. Just, so just a brief sidebar here. Is realignment ever a possibility? I think when you get to if you if you expand to 32 teams and you know Nashville is uh, as of today Nashville now has a a group kind of heading its expansion exp exploration process headed by Dave Dombrowski. Um, Nashville would be a, a, a real fit. Um, I'm not so sure that for the straight geographic fit that you wouldn't want to go with two teams in the in the Pacific time zone like a Portland and a Vegas or something like that. But uh, certainly Nashville, Charlotte, Portland, Las Vegas, all four of those teams, all four of those cities would have, uh, would be legitimate contenders for expansion, for expansion clubs. And when you do that, then you can go to four, uh, four, four team divisions per league. And, and that makes it a lot easier to manage. But that's how far out is that possibility? Oh, I think it's going to be moved up on the calendar because the lack of the loss of revenue this year is going to make this group of owners real hungry to get those uh, expansion fees that will be, you know, in the billions of dollars. So um, I would not be surprised if by 23 we saw expansion teams. Actual teams in place. Could be, yeah. Wow. How about that? I was thinking this was not going to happen in my career time. I uh, well, this is good. Got news for you, Kevin. <laughs> um, Are you the one supposed to deliver that news to me? Golly, shoot! Uh, I, I here's the way I see it: is if you get um, if you get the next CBA negotiated in 21 at some point in time. Um, it, very shortly after that, will you see the expansion of the, the announcement of expansion teams? And I would, I would think that they'd be in place by 22 and ready to go by 23 or 24. Wow. 
Well, that would certainly be good because uh, it's ridiculous that the Rangers and the Astros have to play on the West Coast time. So that's a that's a real burden not only on the teams themselves but on the fans. It's yeah. just ridiculous that you that you make fans put up with that. If you're trying to make this sport more fan friendly, and that seems to have been baseball's driving force for the last few years until this summer anyway when they just decided to stick it to everybody uh then to me that's that's one of the number one things these teams should all be should all be grouped geographically you know well, I mean, because that, the, the problem that's the way is, the old rivalries work sure um but the well not entirely i mean you know i grew up with with atlanta in the national league west and their rivalries were the dodgers and and the giants um i, I I think your rivalries can be who they don't necessarily have to be geographic. They, they can be, they can be set up a little bit differently depending on, on just what, how teams match up against one another. But I, I think that w- until you go to 32 teams, there's just no ability to perfectly align this. Somebody's going to be playing outside of their time zone a, a lot of the time. Oh, I could do it. Evan. Okay. If you insist, I'm campaigning for for post career jobs here, and that's that's one of mine is uh, is uh, reworking the the uh, the alignment of baseball teams. All right, so uh, we're on kind of a, a fast schedule today because you have to do other things and I have to do other things, and we're kind of uh, boxed into a corner here. So let's let's talk a little bit about uh, what I mentioned earlier uh, as well, and that is flip flopping uh, uh, seasons, uh, spring and fall, and uh, the possibility that that uh, and this all started at least at the Dallas Morning News with Greg Riddle's survey that he sent out to uh, high school football coaches in uh, in the area. And most of them were in favor of uh, moving football to the spring and the spring sports to the fall. Um, and James Lovorn, who is the uh, a former Baylor quarterback and also the football coach at First Dallas, First Baptist Academy, I wanted to call it First Dallas Academy, First Baptist Academy, uh, came up with this plan. And, uh, and, and frankly, I don't think there's a lot to argue with it uh, because – uh, I, I think it's practically impossible to think that you're going to play high school football this fall. Um, and uh, and the concern for baseball, softball coaches, all the spring sports is that, hey, we just had all our spring uh, seasons canceled. We don't want to be the guinea pigs right out of the box here and end up having them canceled again this fall, which is certainly understandable. But, of course, as, as what's been overlooked by most of those critics who – who only look at this stuff on Twitter is that Lovehorn said, listen, if you can't play the games in the spring, then they become the priority in, uh, in the fall. They become the priority again in the spring, just like they would have been before. We're not saying you're not going to, you're not going to play if, if you can't play in the, in the fall. So um, uh, I, I wonder what, you know, my, my feelings were that first of all, there is no argument from a weather standpoint. I know that some people had somebody actually said to me, what about the fact that these kids would be playing football yeah, in in June, you know, in the semifinal, in the state semifinal, and I and my response to him was, it's no hotter in June than it is in September, uh, and, and and so and and the people playing the state semifinals are probably going to be playing in a dome, so I don't think that's really an issue, you know, so uh, so that's not it. You're, you're in football, you'd be starting when it was cold. You wouldn't have all the the potential heat stroke uh, 
uh, problems that you have when you're starting in August. Uh, in baseball, uh, they would be playing at a time that when you're not freezing out there, which is nothing worse than playing baseball in the cold weather. Uh, and it's not as rainy in the fall as it is in the spring, and you lose so many games because of that. Uh, there are some problems, obviously, those. Some of them being that kids who are playing summer baseball, and, and, the, and they are playing summer baseball, and, and, and there are girls playing uh, softball, would roll right into uh, uh, this fall. And so what does that mean for, in baseball, what does that mean for pitchers and their workloads? There, there's no, uh, there's no let up at that time. That's a, that's a concern. It's a concern if you're playing football in the spring, you, you get a couple months off and you come right back and play again next fall uh, in the fall of 2021. Uh, that's a concern. You know, uh, what, what are you going to do about these things? But I at least like the idea that these things need to be considered right now. This is what needs to be talked about right now, because if you're just going to wait and see what happens, as we see by the numbers and the of cases that are spiking, it's it's not a good situation right now. It doesn't look very promising. I, I agree with you, and I, I mean, I, I think the only thing I'd go a little bit further is to say, I mean, are you, as you mentioned, I mean, are you going to make the uh, the spring sports guinea pigs um, if it's not safe for football to play? <laughs> in the fall is it safe for baseball and softball and 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 the track athletes to play are those more socially distant sports yes they are um but i i think the, the question is you're talking about a bunch of teenagers um traveling in 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 small uh buses and vans and all of that uh and and so my question comes back down to if it's not safe for football, is it safe for anybody uh, in the fall? And, and I don't have the answers to that. I, I, I really don't. Uh, it, this, this continues to be a, a constantly evolving situation. I'd like to think at some point in time we will um, exit the first wave of this, but uh, the first wave keeps, seems to keep rolling through. Um, and uh, I've got no problem with the the, the the concept of football flipping to the spring, if that's what you need to do. But my bigger concern is I don't want to put, everybody seems to be very concerned about football. Football pays the freight. Football's a religion. We all know that. But are you putting an, any number of, of high school athletes in a risky position if you play any sports this fall? I don't think there's any question about that. Nobody wants to do that. Uh, I think the, the one thing about it with, with baseball is that, as, as I noted, and certainly in softball too, those kids are playing right now. You know, they're, they're playing in the middle of all of this. And so uh, I, don't, I don't really see how the parents of those kids can complain about playing this fall if they're already playing right now. So uh, th those, are, those are real concerns. Uh, now, uh, if, we, if we ratchet this all up a notch and take it to the college level, uh, which uh, we had Lincoln Riley, who uh, the, the coach at Oklahoma, who was one of the only coaches who said early on, hey, I don't, I don't like the idea of us coming back in June. You know, uh, it's, not, it's not safe enough to do that. He was the only coach, certainly from the Big 12, who stood up and said that. And as it turned out, Lincoln Riley was right. And so they did delay and they did uh, uh, observe some of the things that he was talking about. Now Lincoln says that if you – think it's impossible to play football in the spring you're, you just haven't tried to think this through and and he's all for it 
And here's a reason why that to me that makes it a possibility to do that. Because as we, as you just noted, uh, football does pay the freight. That's a very real thing. There is no rainy day fund in, in uh, college uh, athletics. They live from hand to mouth every year. You know, they spend all their money on new facilities and, and, and new stuff and they don't put any money away except for your Georgia Bulldogs who apparently have, have saved up enough money to run the program for a couple of years, apparently. I mean, who, well, that, who would have thought? Well, when you underachieve to that level, um, I guess you, uh, <laughs> we know where they overachieve when it comes to fundraising and saving funds. On the yeah. field, not so much. Yeah. So, because we just saw what happened at Boise State. So, Boise State does a study, uh, and last week uh, they dropped their baseball and their swimming and diving program, saying that would save them about $2.3 million. Uh, and that will still not match their expected losses because they say if and their and their stadium only holds thirty six thousand people, but that with that horrible blue turf. But they say that if they are not allowed to have fans this fall on the field, they project they will lose between seven to ten million dollars. You know, so by by abolishing the baseball and the swimming and diving programs are just going to save 2.3 million. They're still going to be down anywhere between, you know, five and $7 million just from losing fans next year, uh, this fall. So that's, that's the issue here. You know, they, they're, everybody's trying to keep their television contracts in play here so they can make the money off that, but they make a lot of money off of the, off of their uh, ticket revenue. You can imagine if that's what they're losing at little bitty 36,000, stadium albertson stadium which it sounds like you know, that's where we're going for groceries afterwards uh can you imagine what they're losing in michigan or or at texas or at a&m are these places that, that seat a hundred thousand fans well I, I, that is true but i also think when you look at the at the big 12 and the big 10 and the sec uh and their um their tv revenues compared to what uh somebody like boise state brings in they, I think they're better set, better able to offset some of those losses. They are. There's no question about it. But we've already seen what 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 did Mike Gundy just do at Oklahoma State? That's kind of like a, a, a weekly question, isn't it? What did Mike Gundy just do? Uh, but at any rate, Mike Gundy agreed to take a million dollar pay cut uh, to kind of uh, further things along. That was kind of I think Mike's way of saying, "Listen, I know I've been really screwing up a lot, so I'm going to give a million dollars back." Yeah, I think that's a probably. I think that was probably a pretty good thought on Mike Gundy's part after uh, after the number of mistakes uh, he's made. Yeah, well, that's just kind of his nature, anyway. Uh, but I do think that there there are going to be repercussions from all this. Not only will I mean, for let's face it, I, deep down in a place where they won't tell us, a lot of these athletic directors would be glad to get rid of these sports because they're expensive to run. And they don't make any money. There are no revenue streams coming in from them. And I used to hear that from athletic directors all the time. They would complain privately about Title IX and say, oh, look at this. See, you know, because we got to match it up all the women's sports with the men's sports, now we got to get rid of wrestling. Now we got to get rid of the, of, the, uh, of the track program because of these stupid women's sports. And, and let me ask you a question. What are athletic directors? They are CEOs, correct? That's correct. And CEOs are, by and large, more concerned about the bottom line than they are about the product and about representing the university. They're concerned about the bottom line. And 
you know, there's a lot of athletic directors that don't really care that much about those non-revenue sports. They just don't. No, because football and basketball are the two things. And in some cases, baseball uh, programs hold their own. Some of them do draw well. Uh, you know, uh, your stepson, my daughters both went to Arkansas. You go to an Arkansas baseball game and it, it's packed. You go to any you go to any SEC baseball game. It's it's really when when I went on the road with um with Kit Fag two years ago uh to do a scouting trip and we went to a Friday night SEC baseball game in Columbia, South Carolina, and I saw a twelve thousand seat stadium absolutely filled with people. Um, it really kind of woke me up a little bit. SEC baseball is has become a revenue sport. Um, I think in some respects, you know. Big 12 baseball has, in, in a lot of places, become a revenue sport. But uh, th those places are, are rather limited. Yeah, they are. And, then, and, and even at that, what they're doing is baseball is probably breaking even, would be my right. guess. Uh, and, and so, so It's when paying the, for itself, yeah. Yeah. And so if, if you're like, like at Boise, which I'm assuming is not a, uh, does not do the, as well in baseball, uh, you know, you, you saw what happened there. They got rid of there. So – so I would think that this is going to be a really uh, interesting time as far as the repercussions long term. Uh, how many how many programs are going to uh, uh, athletic programs are going to abolish uh, sports? How many of them are going to decide uh, that hey, coach, you're going to have to give back some of that uh, at least temporarily? And how many are going to when they when they give out new contracts? What are they going to do? Are they going to are they going to be as freewheeling with the money as they have been? Are they going to commit to these capital programs like they have in the past? Are they is it still going to be you know an arms race in college sports as we have long said? If you you know you can look at these things and, and of course even as I say this at uh, at Texas Memorial Stadium that you know the, the construction uh, you know the additions there to that stadium weren't even slowed down during the pandemic. They were still working. Uh, not, nothing stopped. Same thing in Alabama. So at the very, very top level of college sports, we've seen that, that, that life goes on pretty much unabated. Um, and, and I think certainly we already have, uh, you know, a, a huge division between the haves and the have-nots in college sports. And I think that, would, that, uh, that space will just get larger. Uh. Yeah, I, I agreed. I, I I do think that we have seen kind of the uh, the era of everybody trying to top one another with new facilities kind of end for a little bit of time, um, especially since most of these are public institutions, right? Uh, and 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 we're going to see some tightening of the belt on on the uh, on that front, even though the athletic departments are are private entities and and whatnot. I, I think we're going to see some some slowing down on that front, and we should, quite frankly. Well, it's just not necessary. You know, that was the, that was always the thing that was interesting to me back in, you know, in prehistoric times when I covered college sports, basically the stadiums, the practice facilities are what they had been for generations, for decades. They had played in the same kind of facilities and they had just done just fine. Right. They were putting out uh, great athletic you know, programs. They were they were playing great football. We were all enjoying it. And then it all started to take off in the '90s, and then the, and after that, and when there was a lot more money involved uh, at these places, and then the next thing you know, you've got an indoor practice facility, you've got uh, you've got a, a turf outside field, you've got a grass outside field, you've got what, what are we going to work on today? I always I always say that at the University of Texas, 
the, the second field was uh, was where the student uh, students basically were out there throwing frisbees around, and they would run them off and say, "Okay, now we're going to come out of here and practice on this one today." You know, that's that's what they did for their second field. Yep. So it's uh, and they it, liked it. Yeah, that's right. Well, it became something it didn't need to be. That's that's the thing. In the end, it's like I and of course I got called a fossil when Tom Herman came in, and one of his first complaints was. This is the same wallpaper in here that it was when I was here the first time, you know, a head football coach is complaining about wallpaper, you know, and, and then of course people were saying, well, that's what you got to do. You know, it's like, I, I, I really don't think, I know there's a lot of things you have to do. I really don't think recruits care about the wallpaper, you know, I you just, you know, you go, as you mentioned, Arkansas, you go down to where bomb Walker is and, and uh, you look at that indoor facility for the, for the end for the track team, which is a top 10 program. And then you look at the indoor facility that the track team and the baseball team share. And then you look at the Jerry Jones academic facility and you look at the track stadium and you just realize that, that some of this stuff is not needed to run a, a functional athletic program. A lot of this is merely for show. And meanwhile, the press box at Arkansas is terrible. Okay, I just want to, I just want to go on record as saying that. It's the same press box they've had there for the last, I don't know, 600 years. So it's, it's, a, little, it's a little dated. I'd, I'd it's like good to enough for new, Wally Hall. I'd like to see some new wallpaper in there, as a matter of fact. So All right. some, some of the, maybe some of that wallpaper that Tom Herman took off there at, at UT, they could use over at Arkansas. That'd be great. Speaking right, of which, well, I, I'm, I'm speaking today uh, with Mac Brown, uh, and uh, we're gonna we're gonna talk about how he's uh, killing it in recruiting. Did you know that Mac Brown right now has the now these are commitments; these are not signings. The commitments for the 21 the 2021 class has the University of North Carolina number three in the nation in recruiting. Number three. Good for Mac. How about that? How about that? How about that, Mac? He's showing them, isn't he? I'll show you for firing me. I'll uh, I'll come back and kick your butt. He's a good representative. He is. He's a good guy. You know, for all of Mac's problems there at the end, I, I I never disliked him. He was always always a class guy. Always uh, ran a clean program uh, and and a good program. He was always concerned about the kids. Genuinely concerned about them. And to some people, that got to be a little bit much. They thought he was too friendly with the kids. I think that goes over pretty big these days, uh, especially. So you know, I, I in a lot of ways, I, the Mac situation kind of um, rivals the Mark Rick situation at Georgia. In that this was a good coach and took this program to to um, to real heights, um, but a number of fans just kind of got tired of the plateau and wanted to go higher. And these are good men who, who represented the university well and, and who really did care about their athletes. And um, there should be a place for those guys in college sports. And, and Mark Rick's place is Miami. No, not any longer. You know, not he resigned at Miami. Yeah. Right. He, he had a heart attack. He's um, he resigned at Miami. He's just, he's doing mostly, uh, TV, I think, on the ACC network now. You know what? That's that's my goal is to end up on the ACC network. I think it's a, I think it's easier league to win, and that's that's where I want to go. I, I I don't want any part of the SEC or even the Big Twelve. I'm looking for, I'm looking for something that I can knock off pretty easily. There you go. Yeah. 
All right, I think that's going to do it for our podcast today. Uh, I've got to head out to Arlington with my mask and uh, my hand sanitizer and my wipes. Is Sam Bloom going to be out there with you? I don't know if he's coming out today or not. You know, I was was told I got to give 24 hours notice. Actually, I think I was told I had to give 72 hours notice if I was coming out. Uh, And and I've decided that uh, I, I just don't know if it's worth it for me to risk my health uh and because you know i i'm a high risk kind of guy uh i was always a high risk kind of guy uh in in any kind of endeavor i mean unless you're trying to write x's and o's on something it's um there really is no reason to be at the ballpark um well there's two reasons to be at the ballpark to write the lack of atmosphere right i mean since there's nothing in there um or to try and write about something that took place on the field but in terms of interviews, there's that that is that is the limitation that with no individual access, with no ability to pursue your own angles one on one, there's not a whole lot of impetus for uh, multiple people to be out there at the same time. Plus, there's no Archie's Deli out there. Uh, there's no Archie's Deli in Surprise either anymore. Yeah, I know. I'm 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 still a little upset about that as well. But anyway. Well, you can get a good bagel at Shug's Bagels now. That's that you should know that. I don't want I don't want a bagel. I want I want good corned beef. Come on, a All bagel. Right. All right, Evan, that's going to do it. Thanks for coming on. I appreciate you uh, sharing a little time with us and and, and talking about baseball. And we're, and we're going to talk about some stuff uh, more next week. We hope. Yeah, we hope. Hopefully, hopefully something. We'll talk about something next week. Okay. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Rangers Ballsy Podcast. Be sure to subscribe to our weekly episodes on iTunes. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter, too. Just search the Ballsy with a Z Podcast. Until next time, sports fans, we'll see you.